If you have your Bibles, we will turn to the book of Genesis, and we'll look in the sixth chapter today, in chapter six. And while you're finding that, I want to share something that I found about the inception of Father's Day. The institution of Father's Day was created, or it's credited, to a woman by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd. She wanted a special day to honor her father, Henry Jackson Smart. Her father was widowed when his wife died during, during the birth of their sixth child. Mr. Smart was left to raise this newborn baby and their other five children by himself on a small farm in eastern Washington State. As an adult, Sonora realized the sacrifice that her father had made in raising the children as a single parent. So in the eyes of his daughter, he was a courageous, a selfless, and a loving man. So in 1910, Miss Dodd started writing letters in support of a National Father's Day observance. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson proposed that Father's Day be proclaimed a National Day of Observance. In 1924, President Calvin Coolidge endorsed this same idea. Again, in 1926, the National Father's Day Committee was formed in New York City. In 1956, Father's Day was recognized by a joint resolution of, of Congress. In 1966, President Lyndon Johnson signed a presidential proclamation declaring the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. And in 1972, President Richard Nixon established a permanent national observance of Father's Day to be held on the third Sunday of June. This was because Sonora Dodd saw grace When she looked at her father and wanted this for every father. When we look in this passage today, it may seem to be an odd place for Father's Day, but just bear with us if you would. In Genesis 6, verse 8, this one verse we want to read. This one verse, but Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord God we thank you for your grace we thank you for your love we thank you that we can call on you because you are a good father you are our heavenly father and it's because of you you've allowed us to be fathers in this world help us God to follow your example of being a father and God has we continue through this service. We pray that you're glorified and your son's magnified. And if there's one here today, father or not, if there's one that doesn't know you for the forgiveness of sin, we pray that your spirit would move upon them and they would call out and cry out, what must I do to be saved? And God, we know your word promises that he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So God, you move and minister as we declare your word. You fix, form, and fashion it in our hearts. And we'll praise you for what's accomplished. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When most of us think of the narrative, this narrative that, that puts Noah in the middle of it, here in the scriptures, we immediately think of the flood. But there's more to Noah's life than the flood. Uh, the narrative takes place during a time of wickedness. Wickedness was all upon the face of the earth. It was a time when God declared, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. He also speaks that he will limit the days of man upon the face of the earth. He says, if you look there in verse 3 in chapter 6, he says, and yet the days, the days shall be 120 years. Here, it is a wicked time. And the Lord is so grieved in his heart that he, that he had created man that he determines he's going to destroy man. Can you imagine how wicked man had to be? For God to say, I'm grieved over the fact that I've created these men and women and I'm going to now destroy them along with the earth. Have you gotten that grievous with your children yet? That you're ready? I know there have been times in their lives when you've wanted to choke them. But have you got to the point where you wanted to destroy them? No, you haven't got there. And it makes me wonder just how wicked that time was. With everything that's going on in this world today, as we know it is going on, and still the Lord is tarrying. Still the Lord is allowing us to be here. It makes us wonder how bad was it during that time. The Bible tells us here that God was so grieved. In, in verses 6 and 7 says, The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry I have made him or made them. While God was grieved with mankind, he was gracious to one man. We find that man to be Noah here in the, in the scriptures. And when all mankind was grievous to God, why would God find grace for one? What was it about this man, Noah, that, that God would be gracious to him? I want us to notice a couple of things today about Noah. And not only that not only will help us see why God was gracious to Noah, but as fathers, how we can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. So when we look here through this narrative of Noah, we find that Noah demonstrates that fathers are to prepare for God's truth. Now, in order to prepare for God's truth, we must believe and obey the word of God. In verse uh, 13, the Lord tells Noah here that the end of all flesh has come before me and the earth is filled with violence through them. And, I, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. In verses 14 through 16, God gives detailed instructions for Noah on what he has to do. Noah has to prepare an ark. He has to make it out of gopher wood. It's, he, he has to cover the inside and the outside of this ark with pitch, which is a, a tar-like substance. The ark was approximately to be 510 feet long. It's approximately to be 80, 85 feet wide and 51 feet high. There was to be a window in the side of the ark and a door also in the side of the ark. The ark would consist of three decks. Now, God gives specific instructions for Noah concerning building this ark. But in verse 17, 
18, we find that God gives some detailed instructions of Noah what God's going to do. God's going to flood the earth with water and destroy the flesh upon the earth. However, God shares in verses 18 through 21 that he will establish his covenant with Noah and his family as well as provide a male and female of every sort of animal. God gave this specific plan to Noah and Noah believed that he would carry this out. Noah didn't just believe that God would carry out his plan, but Noah obeyed the instructions of the Lord. In Genesis 6 and 22, the Bible says, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. God in his omniscience was fully aware of the heart of Noah towards him. Noah's heart toward God was proven in the fact that Noah believed and he obeyed the instructions of God. The scriptures are very clear to us that children are to honor their fathers and mothers. But we're living in a time when more and more love their fathers, but they don't respect their fathers. You may think that that's impossible, but I beg to differ. In fact, it's very evident in today's society. We love our fathers because once we are born into this world, there's something instinctive within us that's placed in us that helps us to love our fathers. But to respect them is shown when we believe and we obey our fathers and this doesn't come naturally the scriptures are not clear on what happened in the life of Noah for him to believe God it just indicates that Noah believed as a matter of fact Hebrews 11 and 7 says by faith Noah believed divinely warned Noah being divinely warned of things yet not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So as fathers, we are to demonstrate this kind of faith. Children given respect and honor and love is a learned behavior. And we can learn from Noah as he demonstrated that we are to prepare for God's truth. God's truth is that if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, then we must be born again. And in John 3 and 3, it says, Most assuredly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then we must humble ourselves before God, acknowledge our sinful state, believe Jesus, is the savior of the world repent of our sin and confess Jesus as as the son of God and our Lord and savior and when we're willing to do this we are willing and to trust and believe him but when we're unwilling to do it we're unwilling to trust we're unwilling to believe we're unwilling to prepare for God's truth and at the time of judgment if we haven't prepared for God's truth we will not find grace in the eyes of the Lord what we find here in this passage is Noah's demonstrating to us that we must prepare for God's truth. But then as you continue just thinking about this narrative with Noah, he also demonstrates that fathers are to persevere in times of tr in troubled times. Can you imagine the ridicule that Noah receives? Noah is living in such a wicked time that God wants to destroy all flesh upon the earth. 
Rain's never fallen from the sky, and now Noah's building an ark to protect his family and some animals because God is going to destroy the earth with a flood. For a hundred years, Noah is carrying logs. He's pounding on stakes. He's smearing on pitch. And at the time, sharing, at the same time, he's sharing that a flood is coming. He continued not fully understanding all that the Lord was doing. But he just continued faithfully obeying the Lord. All the mocks, all the smears, all the taunts by the people. Surely this was discouraging to Noah. As a matter of fact, we'll find no statement in the scriptures of Noah becoming discouraged. As a matter of fact, there's nothing to indicating that Noah was even ridiculed. We imagine this taking place because for a hundred years, he's building a, an ark to protect them from a flood when they've never seen water come from the sky. We know that it is a wicked time. We know that man's heart is turned away from God, so we assume Noah is being ridiculed. We assume that Noah is being mocked. We assume all these things are taking place, and it's possible that it did, but what if it did? Why would Noah continue for a hundred years? If, if he was ridiculed, if he was mocked, why would he continue pressing forward? Why would he continue to persevere in such a troubled time? It's possible that he understood Psalm 99, which says the Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. It's possible he understood Psalm 94 and 19 that says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. It's possible he understood in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, that therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It's possible he understood Proverbs 3 5 through 6 which says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's very possible that Noah understood these things. Some of you may think it, well preacher all of these things were written after Noah's time. Well I want to assure you there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 that which is being is what will be what, that, is, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. So if God gave it to one man to pin down, he probably gave it to someone else to encourage them along the way. Amen. What we do know is that Noah continued in the work of the Lord. He persevered in a troubled time. And because Noah prepared for God's truth and persevered in troubled times, Noah's sons and their families were saved by the ark from the flood. As fathers, we must demonstrate to our children the importance of persevering and serving the Lord in our lives. Trouble is coming we're living in a world filled with trouble. Many of you, if not all of you, have faced some sort of trouble in your lives. If you haven't, just keep living. It's coming. Keep living. It's coming. But even in the midst of trouble, whatever 
It might look like in your homes, whatever it may be in your lives, our perseverance and our faith in Jesus will bring the grace of God into our lives. Today, it seems more and more, it seems more and more prevalent in my lifetime. Men, women, boys and girls do what is right in their own sight. They do what's right in their own minds. I'm sorry, but God doesn't make mistakes. Some of you may not like this, but I'm sorry. God is a righteous, he's a holy, he is a perfect God. And there's not a boy created in this world that he meant to be a girl. There's not a girl created in this world that he meant to be a boy. No matter what the world says, God is right. And we must persevere. Today we're living where sin's running so rampant. In our society, the the world and our leaders are calling evil good and good evil. But folks, we can't give up. We can't get upset night like children and just quit. We can't lean on our own understanding. We can't say one thing and do another. We must practice what we preach. We don't find grace in God's eyes by being the most successful. We don't find grace in God's eyes by being the most knowledgeable. We don't find grace in God's eyes by being the most influential. We find grace in God's eyes by simply believing and obeying. Some of you here today who believe, some of you are here today, you believe right now that Jesus is the son of God. You believe he was born of a virgin. You believe he lived a sinless life, died on an old rugged cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb. And you believe that on the third day he arose from the grave under his own power and is right now seated at the right hand of the father. You believe he's coming back. However, you've not obeyed by confessing your sins and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you continue... In this obedience, when this life is over, you will not find the grace of God in his eyes. For you will have prepared for, you will not have prepared for God's truth. You will not have persevered in troubled times. But, but, but if you do receive Jesus, as your Lord and and Savior, if you trust him to be your Lord on the day of judgment, you will find grace in the eyes of the Lord. You'll be like the songwriter said, when at the judgment bar, I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find a thing. Then will my heart be glad while tears of joy will flow. I had it settled. And settled long ago, long ago, down on my knees. Long ago, I settled it all. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. Boy, that's enough to say hallelujah, isn't it? And the record's clear today. For he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. Have you settled the account? (laughs) Have you obeyed? (laughs) Have you believed and obeyed the word of the Lord? We hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to 
not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.